it's always funny now that we've switched our platform from one to the other. Speaking of this particular platform, yeah. isn't it really ironic that a platform that encourages virtual work and virtual meetings insists all their employees go to the office? Do that. I didn't know. I, I I stopped, I've stopped following the tech news the past two weeks. It's too depressing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, guys, we are in professional services, so we work closely with the guys in tech, and it is a bit distressing sometimes to see our good friends just not... Yeah. Ha- yeah. So, you not know, having co- the best of times. Yeah, so... <clears throat> very... We wish all of them the best to land on their feet. But today, we've got a really interesting episode coming up, continuing from our previous conversations, right, Flo? Well, it's going to be, what is it, part three of the digital first go-to-market or digital first marketing mini-series, mm-hmm. Yeah, which yeah. sort of and just happened to us, right? Not that we had planned that, I mean, but it's l- l- let's put it this from way. our conversations. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, let's put it this way. We wanted to bring Luke back, and he started yeah. this entire conversation, which then got us thinking. Right, we actually need to do this. And guess what, Flo? You do this a lot with Client Friendly anyway. So this is our bonus. It is kind of the thing. Yeah, exactly. Cue, cue the theme song here. From the home offices of Ash and Flo, this is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around and listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. Welcome back to this new episode of the Unbillable Podcast. We really appreciate you listening into all our shenanigans, and we hope that, that this one's another good one for... Yeah, we hope you are getting more information and the things that you need. And by the way, if you do have questions, hit me or Flo. We, we're more than happy to, like, you know, have some quick chats about things. I'm, like, Flo can help you solve some key problems. I can probably talk more about the podcast and have, like, a fun conversation about other things. Not that Flo doesn't have fun conversations. You should follow him on LinkedIn. You'll see what I mean. Oh, oh, oh I have. Yeah. I'm fun at parties. Yes. So, but yes, um, do reach out with questions or comments or anything that you want us to cover. And if you do want to be a guest on the show, just let us know and we'll sort it out yeah. for you. So without much further ado, our topic on digital first, the client Journey. Oh, journey. was that supposed to? Was I supposed yes. to chime in? <laughs> <Okay>. Yes, <laughs> I guess correctly then. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. So we, I think we said that in in one of the. I said this in the solo episode, right? Just four mm-hmm. things you need to do to put a digital first go to market together: strategy, a journey, which is the client's journey, a story, and a system. And yeah, so let's talk about the journey part today, which I think, I, I don't know, I think you and I touched upon that, the back catalog of episodes so long that I can't remember, we've, but I think we've we talked about parts of it. We've been before. advising yeah. marketers on how they should do the whole client journey because we we are in the digital world, let's face it. I mean, while, what do you say, marketing in professional services firms is still relationship-based, is still relationship-focused, and you still do all the RFPs and all that kind of stuff, you need to have your digital touch point. So how do you take your client on this journey from yeah. 
where they first hear about your service to convert you, sorry, convert them into your customer. Yeah, and I think then even beyond that, right? So right into the onboarding and the actual engagement and the delivery. But maybe, I mean, that that is the question and we'll give you some pro tips for doing it. But yeah, for but sure, I just, because... I wanted to drive, maybe first clarify what we mean by client journey design. And then also you said something which I really want to sort of hammer home again, why people should have the digital touch points or why we need to design a client journey for this digital first yeah. type of you know spiel with you. So and before I you think, go into um, the next yeah. thing, the second part of what we're talking about is where you as marketers need to really work with the practice builders and salespeople oh, because otherwise yeah. you're not having the full digital journey. Like Flo, you had a very valid point of like, you know, talking about the whole journey. I was just talking about the marketing part, but the other part, yeah. You do need to work closely with the sales and business because otherwise you've got no, you know. You're not going to get the info you need. Yeah, we'll yeah. get to that. I mean, first, let's get the theory out of the way. Should we, like Webster's Dictionary yeah. defines client journey design? I'm kidding. Yeah. I think we already sort of talked about it or described it, let's say. I think when, I, when we say client journey design, what we mean is you look at the all the touch points a client has with the firm, you know, from just stumbling across the firm, being a prospect, then actually becoming a client, getting on board, going through an engagement, all the way where they maybe conclude the work with the firm, but they are happy and give a referral as well. So the entire sort of story arc or whatever you want to call it, the entire journey. Points we have there, it's good to look at those and where you can and where it makes sense, design them in a way that they become a much more client-friendly and frictionless, uh-huh. just a better experience for the client. Yeah. And B, it should also be the objective towards the firm. And this is where you have to speak to the practice people as well to, to make the journey as efficient and effective for both parties as you can make it. Yeah. Did I forget yeah. anything? That, that Let's put it in a simple form for people. Like yeah. it's taking your client through optimized touch points from the point of first interaction to conversion, engagement, and after sales before they come back into the entire cycle yeah. without the first touch point anymore. It's managing the client relationship with your firm in selling your services, technically. Digitally, I, of course. That's not, I, so yeah, that's true. And I think that is, maybe Webster doesn't define it. I don't know, I haven't checked. But I think that's right. That's That will be my understanding of this as well. And the like I said, you mentioned already that People need to think about this in the digital context. And I just wanted to repeat ourselves here and drive home the point. Spoken about this to no end, right? But clients these days prefer to process through a primarily self-directed buying journey, right? So they they Mm -hmm. steer themselves through the problem identification phase, through the definition phase, sort of what type of help they might want. Then they search for consulting firms or services, and then they make it all these things. They do those in at their own convenience, sort of in their own time, in their own space, and primarily digitally. So that means that other than, let's say, 15, 20 years ago, you don't even get the chance as much anymore to begin and shape the client journey through through in-person conversations. And that still exists. You, you said it and you were right. It still exists, I mean, but it's getting less and less. And this is also, this is when people say, yeah, but it's all about the relationships. You already said it. I'll just repeat it. We're not saying it's not about the relationships. It's just the channels and the mediums through which you initiate and then deepen those relationships. Those have changed. And yeah, they're primarily uh, digital uh, now. Yeah, I'd like to just dive a little bit on this. It's 
so professional services is always about relationships. But yeah. with our generation and a generation younger, how we find information isn't as in what was traditionally word of mouth now is on social media, is searches, is like looking for opinions on reviews and all these kinds of things. And we don't mean reviews like, you know, a Gartner ranking or stuff like that. Those are all well and good, but those are for the big boys and for the older people. Let's be fair. It is. Someone like, this is a time when lots of decision makers key decision makers right now are coming up to be in their late thirties and they'll soon, you know, they're all more digital first generations. And with a digital first generation, word of mouth tends to be digital as well. Once you've gotten that word of mouth part done, then the relationship thing comes into place. That's where you establish your relationship and take them through the whole journey. But the entry point is not always going to be an introduction because someone knows someone. That in, that introduction exists only be, right now between your account teams and your consulting and delivery teams, because yeah. the account teams on the you know client relationship. Yeah, and and this is why you have to think about these these things now in what we call like the digital first. I don't know mindset or, or I mean we are all digital natives. Yeah, let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And and so you have to design the journey away, right? That lends itself well to this new type of buying behavior or this new type of relationship building. It's not and again, new the principles as of as, yeah, yeah, sorry, exactly. yeah, it's not new as much as is now more dominant. And that's yeah, yeah, and that's right. Yeah. And if you want to get these decision makers in your pool, you have to do you know, you have to be where they are, basically. Yeah. You can't have a conversation where people aren't there. Long story short. So we have to think about the client journey then, where it starts, right? Where yeah. does it begin? Where does it go? And so forth. And I think that's one lens. The other lens I think you should also put in front of your eyes when you look at this is how how helpful is the way the journey is currently designed right for your prospects and clients to give you an example we talk about how service buying moves online and so forth right and people maybe want to check out your website and fully understand what an initial service offering could look like if they were to engage you and they want to understand what's the process to help me get a meeting next Wednesday with the person who can help me to set this up. Not dissimilar to how we are all used to book hotels or schedule appointments. I don't know, the hairdresser yeah, or the barbershop yeah. or whatever. And if you find yourself frowning because you think that's unheard of in the consulting industry, well, it's no longer unheard of. And the firms that do it see the better results. But sorry, I'm digressing. But my point was, so if you think about how these types of touch points are functioning now for your firm versus like the expectation might be you can quickly identify right sort of points of friction where you might want to i'd like to yeah i'd like to add on to that that what we mean here is you got to get your seo right you got to get your you know how to find the information right kind of thing because that's the essential part of the journey your client finds you they hit the main touch point and then they realize they've got to go through multiple steps to get to you. Don't do that. Find an easy way to do it. I remember when I worked for a firm <clears throat> that's nameless, it's a while back, on their contact form, because the salespeople wanted everyone to call them, they tried their best to not have an online contact form and just keep the number. That's not effective. 
you need to give them more options, but not ridiculous. It's like <clears throat> the key thing is when you're trying to build your relationship coming through digital, don't give them like 10 options. Do the standard thing. Like if you're trying to sell something, you only give them like two to three options, mostly two options. The same way when you're bringing people, this is a little tactical, but when you're bringing people onto your journey, make sure that you know what the touch points are, what the means of connection are, and how those two journeys come in. Because you've got a lot of, you know, in the stereotypical world, like collateral, which includes your thought leadership and everything. And all of these things need to connect, but you also need to understand where it needs to connect. Sometimes people come in because they've read an interesting piece about you and then they need to get work from, I mean, they, they need you to work to help resolve the problem. Sometimes they just know what the problem is and they don't have time to read a piece of thought leadership. They just need to speak to you and then you can highlight the key pieces of this thing for them. Because let's be fair, while research and everything is great and I love that kind of stuff, sometimes people don't even have time for like a four-page summary and you need to give the key bits of information. And all these things are really important when you're thinking about the client journey because... If you just think about a client, like, and this happens in a lot of firms, that they think about a client journey as a one directional thing, that they landed on their thing, and now here's all our piece of content, and here's all our ways of communicating and everything. You kind of obfuscate the amount of information that you have and yeah. think that, hey, this person's got everything there, and they now know what to do. They don't know what to do because they are already time poor, and now being thrown a lot of information. They're looking yeah. for something specific. So design your client journey to make sure that if they're coming in a thought leadership way, they get the information and then they get someone to connect. If they're coming to you in a way that just seeks information, they come to you. Do not try and combine everything yeah, into one approach. Yeah. yeah, this is really important Which, to see upfront in this story flow because- yeah. If no, people... it's right. It's you're right. We're getting we're getting pretty deep already, but it's okay because I think the, yeah. that's exact that's exactly the point is what you were. But sorry to maybe bring us back up a little bit. What you're saying is, and what we're meaning here is that the important thing understand this as a journey. So see things in some sort of sequential order, and for yeah. each step in the journey, really think: is there friction here, and how do I remove it? And to your point, if I like, if the client comes on your website with a very specific Google query, for example, and it's then hit in the face with well, a bunch of stuff, right? That's not helpful. To, a similar example in this way, to your point is, I still see Google ads for firms where if to fairly specific search phrases, make that project management office or structuring offerings and so forth. I click the ad. Yeah, I do that sometimes because I'm a nerd in the Me space. Too. And I land on the consulting firm's homepage and not the specific offering, but the homepage. So now I'm lost, right? Because I was clicking a link for something fairly specific. Taken yeah. to either the home page or sometimes it's the careers website. I mean, this might be anecdotal, but things of this nature, that shouldn't exist. And this is the point of the yeah. client journey design is what's this, where do they come from? What's the next step we want them to get towards? And how do we remove the friction between those two points? Yeah. I, I do have 10 questions people could ask to, to get to this, which, and mm -hmm. I'll also put them in the show notes if I don't forget, which hopefully I won't. Um, but I would go into those next, unless you want to add something to the point. No, I just want to like reiterate, like suppose someone is going for an SAP supply chain transformation, do not drag them into your Oracle offering. Yeah. 
I mean, that, yeah. And before people on the stereos out there say, oh, that's an extreme example. No, I've, no, I've seen this, I've seen that I've seen this yeah. because you take them to their supply chain page and the might, it might be that you've got, the, you know, your Oracle story is a much bigger one right now. And yeah, happens. <clears throat> which also, there's also a nice example because that's also best repeating, depending on how large your firm is, who it's serving, how complex that stuff is. There might, if, and if you want to do this, you might have to review many a client journey, right? That's not one mm -hmm. prototypical one. And I've seen varying degrees of this. It can be offering specific within a specific offering. It can be buyer persona specific. So the SAP transformation you just mentioned, right? There might be an IT buyer for this. There might be a finance buyer for this, whatever. So it's a good idea to map out the journeys for those. And obviously, because that's kind of a bit of work, you want to maybe triage this a bit and do it for the most important journeys and the most important bias. That said, getting into my list of questions, you might even triage the touch points you want to take a closer look at. That will be the first question on my list of 10, which is what are the key objectives of the customer at each stage? Sorry, that's the second one. What are the key touch points and interactions? That's the first one, right? The key touch points and interactions customer has with the company at each stage of the journey, right? So make a list of the points people go through. Yep. You can align this with the generic buying journey, right? You know those, right? Where I say, oh, I need to discover the problem. I need to, mm -hmm. the problem. You can start there and have it sort of higher level and generic, but do map it out a little bit and then sort of fill it in on the whiteboard as you go. It's interesting also to think about, and you can find templates for these exercises online everywhere, by the way, but it's interesting to then think about what the key objectives are of a buyer at each stage, right? If I wanted to come for the SAP thing, not Oracle, right? You know. <laughs> Getting information about it will be the key objective. So, and this is again where it goes into the being helpful to the prospect or the client to get to whatever objective it is they have at this stage. That's our job, right? Make this as easy as possible, help them out as much as we can. That's the second question. Third question, and this is the, a very powerful one what are the pain points or challenges? that they experience at each of these stages. I'll get back to that at the end of it, but I'm going through the list some more. What are the client's expectations at each stage of the journey? Yeah, this is really firm... important to be fair. Yeah. Because... yeah, because again, if I click on your ad, I'm expecting to land on a landing page that talks about nothing but the thing I clicked on. Yeah, the reason why I'm saying this is really important is because sometimes marketing and sales can get a bit lazy and try to combine buyer journeys and you have to look at what the client is looking for in, in order to realize does your client journey need a fork? Does it need to like join up and things like that? So this is you know a key consideration. Yeah. yeah. Oh now that you mentioned speaking of forks and stuff, yeah, of course you can have a landing page that asks me. Are you a CFO? Why are you working in treasury, for mm -hmm. example? Right. And then I self-identify and click and move on. But it's these types of things. So thanks for bringing up the forking thing, right? Because that's also what you could think about. But always ask, who is this for? Where are they in their journey? You know, what's the challenge they're facing? What's the experience they might have? Okay. So expectations was question four. Question five is, how does the firm currently meet these Right. Okay. Question six then is, are there gaps or discrepancies? So you could, we could actually roll all those into one. Just look at where are they? What's the expectation? Do we meet it? Yes or no? Right. Question seven is, how could we improve this at this stage of the journey? And eight is, can we leverage technology? I might get back to this in a second as well. Question nine is, how would we measure success of a successful journey yeah. phase or whatever at this point? And have we any ideas? That's question to continuously improve this. Okay, that's for the black belt people who always have to 
get better stuff but he, and i put them in the show notes but you would you wanted to say something to the to yeah i actually want to say that this is not a marketing exercise i want to make no, it no, very no, clear. And I'll get to the you're getting into that i was just saying that you need to bring in like the topical sales specialist the yeah. digital expert and the marketing lead along with the business lead to build this whole thing otherwise you're just yeah. yeah. And I can give people a very practical example, which I have nothing to do with, but I learned recently from a firm I'm working with. So on this point of what are the pain points on each step of the journey, which is question three, I think that's very powerful. I often use this when I work with clients and I phrase it a bit differently. I always say, if you look back at the last year's worth of projects and you look at clients, which were very successful in working with you versus those who were not as successful. So of the most mm-hmm. successful clients you had, what was it each and every one of them did? Mm-hmm. Or the opposite of that is, of those clients who were least successful, what did or did they not do? This is very interesting information for two reasons. If you get, if you find patterns and get compelling answers, then you can, A, think about how to improve the delivery of your service to your point, Ash, this is where the practice has to spend some time on and think about. But of course, it also helps to inform, for example, your content agenda, right? Because there might be things the less successful clients don't know about that you can teach them as part of your content marketing efforts, right? Helpful stuff, descriptions, materials you could give. And, uh, and sometimes that goes hand in hand. And this then is related to improving the experience Right. If I give, if I educate the client, maybe even already in my marketing, maybe in the delivery about the points they will have to consider, take care of as they work with my firm in order to improve their chances of success. That's good for everything, right? It's good for marketing. It's good for project results, good for the client, obviously, but also good for the firm if there's more successful clients in your portfolio. So, and then bringing this back to the question eight, how can we use technology? And the example I promised all of you. So I've been working with a firm where what I've thought was interesting was they had um they had consultant recorded video messages as part of their onboarding process so if they were to start a project the project lead on the client side would get like a loom message from the project manager where the project manager would explain the agenda for the upcoming kickoff call and she would also share in the video a series of not questions but materials the client should come prepared with into the kickoff call. Uh, so she might say, oh, we're going to discuss, you know, financials and we'll be interested in this and that types of costs and so forth. And that's it. And then they would have the kickoff call. So I saw this and I was like, this is interesting. Like in my firm, I have a questionnaire for this, right? We have an onboarding questionnaire. I'm always had taken some pride in our onboarding questionnaire. And the folks at that firm said, oh, that's nice. So what's the completion rate for your onboarding questionnaire? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, damn. Because the truth of it is all clients fill out some of the form, but often mm-hmm. the more critical information is not filled in. And this is where we get back to improving the client journey and using technology. They said, oh, we had the same thing. We also had a survey. We sent it out. We had shitty, sorry, completion rates. We couldn't get the information we needed. And then we sat down and we felt like, why is this? And we understood that we ask the clients too much. It's too much to fill in our three-page questionnaire. It's too much to give away sensitive information this early. You haven't even met 
your consulting team in person yet, or not all yeah. of them. <clears throat> yeah. And you have not fully understood their process and the rationale for why they're asking these questions. So it's yeah. much better to send a video in advance of the kickoff call without questions, but by saying, look, this is the agenda. We'll work through this and that model. This is why the best success we can have is if you bring data on this, that, this type of cost, so we can work on it. So now I understand why you're doing it. I'm seeing you on video, which gives me a better feeling of who I'm dealing with. And I'm not giving the information away right now, right? I'll meet you in person first, but I come with the data prepared so we can have an efficient kickoff meeting away. So, sorry, this was me going on for long, but this is a, I think this is an excellent example for how they identify a friction point in their client journey. And I fix it by using something as cheap and easy as a freaking pre-recorded Loom message, which by the way, they can script per project type. So the project manager who they know what kind of engagement is coming in. And so they know what type of stuff to reference and to ask for in the video. I thought it was pretty powerful. I will get rid of our onboarding survey in Q2. Sorry for the people who come in Q1, you still have to go through the thing yep. anyways. Well, that seems like a really good spot for us to pause for this time. What do you think, Flo? Yeah, I think nothing else to add. Let's keep the friction out of the podcast. I'll put the stuff in the show notes so people can read the 10 questions. And yeah. Sounds like a plan. So thanks everyone for joining us. And that's like a wrap. Yeah, we've got more on this, but actually we have a few other topics bubbling, but we've not done enough research to bring that to you up front. So we'll not yeah. spoil what that is until I have the fishing nets out. I'm trying to bring an expert in for the systems piece where we'll talk about, you know, systematizing essentially thought leadership and content creation and distribution. We had episodes along this line, but we will revisit it in the wake of, you know, chat GPT and whatnot. That was the idea. So, right. so cool. with that, I guess it's a wrap. It's a wrap. It's a Friday. Thanks everybody for listening in and Ash have a nice weekend eventually. I'll, yeah. I'll stop the recording yes. right now. Thanks for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us. 